0: Hey, this is Alex Moore, lead pastor of New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Thanks for taking time to listen to this message. For more information or to donate, visit newlifekc.com. Everybody say pride. If you struggle with pride, raise your hand. If you did not raise your hand, you got a real pride problem, okay? We all have pride issues. Um, what is pride? What is this that we're talking about? All right, well, pride is a preoccupation with your own importance. You guys are all thinking of somebody right now, I know. It's not normally you. We don't normally see pride in the mirror very well. We know that person that's preoccupied with their own importance. Or, or maybe we put it another way. I like this definition better. Pride is an extreme love for oneself. It's not so much that I'm concerned about you. It's just I really love me. I love what's going on in my life, my agenda, my thing, and I hope that you'll fit in with me. And so pride, pride is a relationship killer. It's been said this, that pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick but the one who has it pride. It's a relationship killer, not just with people, but also with God. And the Bible has a lot to say about pride. Check out Proverbs 16. It says this. It says that pride goes before everybody destruction and a haughty spirit before a... Let's look at another verse. Proverbs 16:5. It says, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished God sees our pride he doesn't like our pride in fact first Peter 5 5 says this that God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble if we want a relationship with God then we have to get rid of pride because God opposes the proud So if I have pride, but I want to draw close to him, I cannot draw close to him because he opposes the proud, the pride in my heart. I have to get rid of this if I want to have a closeness with God, if I want to know him. And so what do we have to have? We have to be humble. Humble. Now, some people um, might be like, I don't, you know, pride's such an interesting word because like in our culture today, like, it's good to be proud of things, right? Like, I'm proud of the Kansas City Chief. We're going to play in the Super Bowl. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud of my neighborhood. Is that what we're talking about here? No, no, no. So we've got to realize the English, you know, language is weird because pride can mean a lot of things. The type of pride we're talking about today is, is a relationship killer pride. That's, that's a sinfully selfish pride. In Isaiah chapter 14 verses 13 through 14, it probably gives us, chronologically speaking, the first example of this sinful, selfish pride that we find in Scripture. The event took place actually before Adam and Eve were ever placed in the Garden of Eden, and it was when Lucifer decided that he wanted to be like God. See, his pride got him a one-way ticket out of heaven, and we can see his pride In these verses, let's take a look at these. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. You said in your heart, this is what Lucifer has said, I will ascend to the heavens. A second time, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. A third time, I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the most heights, utmost heights of Mount Zephon. Verse 14. For a fourth time, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. And for a fifth time, I will make myself like the Most High. Five times here we see Lucifer say, I will. Lucifer no longer wanted the will of God, but he wanted his own I will. Lucifer was full of selfish, self-focused, sinful pride. And when Lucifer rebelled against God's design... He rebelled against God's purpose for his existence. Now, I want to go quickly, but I also want to make sure that we're communicating clearly. <laughs> so we have in the Bible, the first verse of the Bible is Genesis 1-1. What does it say? Anybody? In the beginning. In the beginning. Did God exist before that moment? Yes. yes. Did an- an- angels and angelic beings, did they exist before that moment? All right, so we, we have, at the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of what we would call time, and time is going to come to an end at some point. We would call that the, yeah. the end of time, yeah. You guys are doing great. Um, so we have Genesis to the last book of the Bible is Revelation, and in Revelation we find out about how things are going to be at the end of time. One of the things that's going to happen at the end of time that we're really excited about is Jesus is coming back. And he's going to come and rule and reign the world the way that it was intended to be ruled and reigned. Like, there's going to be no more evil. There's going to be no more uh, Lucifer. There's going to be no more devil. Like, it's going to be, everything's going to be put in its proper place. So if you feel like the world's going to hell in a handbasket, it might be, but God's coming back. He's going to make it right eventually. If you're like, well, where is God? Well, he's, he's delaying his return so that more people might return to him. Because when he comes back, we read that verse about punishment, like there's going to be a judgment that's gonna take place. And it's gonna be a righteous judgment. It's not gonna be uh, improper in any way because God is perfect and his judgment will be perfect. So we have time that began in Genesis 1. It's gonna end in Revelation. And before time began, there was God, his kingdom and his glory. At the end of time, there's still gonna be God, his kingdom and his glory. We believe theologically that God is eternally existent. We don't understand what that means because everything we think about is within the confines of time. To think about a God who has no beginning and no end, our little brains just like, we don't get it. Like, they can't process that. Like, he never began? How could he never begin? And how could he never end? How is that possible? But that is the God that we serve. And if God is eternally existent, he's always existed. He's the first. Then everything else came from him. Angels, creation, everything. It was an overflow of his heart, his desire. Everybody with me? So if he created something, it was for his purpose, not its own purpose. So when God created angelic beings, he created this one called Lucifer, who was this worship leader who led the other angels in glorifying God. And Lucifer one day said, you know what, I don't want to keep glorifying you, God. I don't like giving you all the praise. I'm leading everybody in the praise. How about I get some praise? And in the moment that he said, I want to be like God. I want the praise. I want to set up my own throne Is the moment that pride entered his heart. And that pride is the very thing that removed him from God's plan. And here's the wild thing Genesis 1 1 happens, and we get to Genesis chapter 3, and we got Adam and Eve, and they live in this garden, and everything's perfect. And guess who shows up on the scene? Oh, Lucifer showing up as a little serpent. And he starts talking to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created to glorify God. They had everything they needed. Everything was perfect. But through deception, they began to believe that God was withholding something from them. And they wanted the wisdom that God had. They wanted to know right and wrong. They wanted the very thing that Lucifer had. And pride rose up in their hearts. The thing that has ruined God's creation... From his original plan has always and will always be pride. And we don't think we have a problem with pride, but it's our biggest problem. We think more highly of ourselves than we're supposed to. And what we begin to think is that God's not God and I'm not a sinner. But the foundation of relationship with God is that He's God and I'm not. He's God, and I'm messed up. And if I never see myself as a sinner, I'll never be open to having a Savior save me from my sin and put me in relationship with God. I have to come to the place of seeing I am a sinner. If you've never called yourself a sinner, then you don't have a relationship with God. It starts with humility I'm not a big deal, I'm nothing. God, I need you. God resists the proud, but draws near to the humble. See, pride pride is all about my glory, and humility is all about God's glory. When we're full of ourselves, there's no room for God. We have to empty ourselves of ourselves. To allow God to reside in our hearts now here's the crazy thing in the Bible 2,000 years ago there's this guy uh, by the name of Paul he was a church leader and he was concerned about people walking around with pride because he knew if they had pride in their heart that it's going to hinder them in their relationship with God and it's going to jack up all other relationships marriages ain't going to be good parenting relationships ain't going to be good employer employee relationships it's not going to be good if pride is there so he wrote them a letter saying hey This pride thing is kind of a big deal. Uh, We need to focus on humility, and here's the ultimate example of humility. It's Jesus. So we're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 2 here and see what Paul encouraged and set the example of humility for us. This is a great memory verse. Uh, My my youth pastor's wife, growing up, she always talked about this verse a lot. This was Susie Nichols. And, 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 And when you're a teenager, you hate this verse. And I think as an adult, you hate it too. Here's what it says. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing, but I just wanted to buy that new car. I just liked that new phone. I just thought that that would make me look so much better. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In verse 5, key verse here, in your relationships with one another, okay, we all have relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, what was his mindset? Well, good news, it's going to tell us right here. It says, Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself, everybody, nothing, nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him, to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Verse 5, it said, in your relationship with one another, you're to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus Jesus humbled himself. He did not have a preoccupation with his own importance. He did not have an extreme love of himself. In humility, he valued others above himself and laid down his life for them. And that's what you and I are called to as well if we want to have relationships the way that God intended. We are called to put aside our love of self. We're called to value others and look to the interests of others. As I was preparing for this message, I read a story uh, from 1986. There was these two ships in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia, um, and they collided. Hundreds of passengers, I believe the toll I, I read was over 400 passengers died as they were hurled into the icy waters below. And as people were wondering, like, what happened? Was there, like, a radar malfunction? Or was there thick fog? What was going on? How could these ships have collided? There's, like, technology to have avoided this. Well, the investigation showed that the captains were aware of each other's presence. But neither one of them wanted to turn. They wanted the other ship to turn. And so they just kept on their course. One was a freight liner, The other was a passenger ship. Freightliner hit it, and the passenger ship, they said, sunk within 15 minutes. They didn't have time to get out. Lifeboats, nothing. Guess what Russia did? Both of those guys got arrested. And duly so, because it was their pride. They refused to yield to another person. And I think that that's the most ridiculous story, but then I think about relationships I have. And I'm unwilling to yield so often. Because I'm right. (laughs) And I don't need to yield. They need to yield. And sometimes just because you're right doesn't mean that you don't have to yield. Put aside our love of self. Value others. Look to their interests. It's what Jesus taught us. I haven't talked about marriage yet. We'll talk about marriage. My wife has a rule for me. (laughs) I can't talk about our marriage. (laughs) Yeah, we we didn't get into any details yet. Um, I think that we're aware of this. Uh, We'll talk to to couples for a minute. Um, All couples fight. Now, how they fight, that looks different depending on the couple. Uh, But all couples fight. Healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples they do not fight fair. And if we are going to have relationships in our marriage that are to reflect God, which is pretty crazy because um, Jesus said that that marriage, the idea is that the two shall become one, that there's a leaving of their parents and a leaving to one another. And like, we don't think about this, but marriage is all about formation. The two becoming one, this is a formation process. So if you thought, no, no, I just get to be me in marriage. No, 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 no. You're changing. Your spouse is changing. The two of you are being formed into oneness. And the process of being formed is never easy. It always has conflict. It always has a challenge because you're becoming something that you weren't before. Just like working out. Anybody love to work out? Okay, there's a, there a couple of hands, there's a couple of you like, yes, but I'm not very proud of it. <laughs> I love to work out. Working out is miserable when you're not in shape. I, I'll confess to you, I hate lifting weights. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Don't enjoy it at all. It's just a weight, and I'm like, do I want to pick that up? I don't want to pick it up. <laughs> but if I pick it up, and I pick it up over and over and over again, my muscles will Will tear down. The, the fibers will be like, we don't want to live anymore, and they'll break, and then your body's like, well, we got to be stronger in case he wants to lift that tomorrow, and then it rebuilds, and that's when you're sore, and you don't want to do anything, and that soreness that lasts forever, it feels like, and if you don't lift again while you're sore, you just start the whole process over again, and it's miserable. Formation, we don't enjoy formation. Formation is, is difficult, but we all need to be formed, And marriage is one of the things God uses to form us into the image of him. And so I want to just give you three rules for fighting fair if you're married here. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Uh, Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In your relationships, you want to start to fight fair. Number one, you need to stop to listen carefully. Everyone should be quick to listen. I can't tell you how many times that my wife uh, said, are you listening to me? And I heard that, but apparently there were words before that that I did not hear. Um, You know, I thought she knew that I was looking at my phone, which meant... I wasn't listening to her, but apparently that's not how things work. Uh, if we want to have good relationships, we need to stop to listen carefully. It's so easy for us in a world of distraction to get distracted by the TV or YouTube or Netflix or whatever's going on, and we ignore the people who are most important in our lives. Uh, my, my kid's uh, playing basketball. Uh, he's eight years old. And so, man, I would go to practices with him. It's like dad and son time It's great. And like I'm there and I'm focused on him and I'm not on my phone until one week. And I was like, I need to get a couple things done on my phone. I've been helping in practice. I've been leading drills in practice. He sees me, he's out there dribbling, he makes the eye contact with me, I'm letting him know, I'm with you, bro, I love you, keep your head up dribbling, get the arm, you know, I'm coaching him. So last week, I can't go to practice. My wife takes him to practice. On the car ride there, I couldn't even believe this, he says, mom, are you going to watch me practice? And she's like, well, of course, I'll watch you practice. Now, my wife brought a book, she's not going to watch like I am, she's going to read her book. She says, I'm probably going to read my book. And my son, I could not believe this report, said, well, dad just plays on his phone the whole time. (laughs) What? I go into eight hours of practice, and in one, I was on my phone. And that's the one that he remembers. Sometimes we need to stop to listen carefully. I can't tell you how many times I'm reading an email or something else, and my children these, these blessings from God are speaking, and I'm ignoring them. I don't know what they're saying. The worst part is sometimes I don't care what they're saying. And what does that mean about me? I need to stop to listen carefully to them. Proverbs 18:2 says that a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. I don't want to be that kind of husband. I don't want to be that kind of father. I don't want to become that kind of pastor. We need to learn how to actively listen. And part of that is being able to respond back and repeat what a person said um, in your own words. So if you want to fight fairly, you want to become all that God wants in your marriage, hey, stop to listen carefully. Number two, let's fight fairly. Let's guard your words faithfully. It says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Proverbs twenty one twenty three says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, <laughs> and you'll stay out of trouble. There's two questions we should ask. Number one is, should it be said? Everybody remember Bambi? Hey, Thumper, what did your father tell you? If you don't have something nice to say, don't say nothing at all. All right, so first question, should it be said? But number two is, should it be said now? And this is the one I get in trouble with. Oh, it should be said. It just probably shouldn't be said right now. So here's a couple things, some tips for you. I'm going to help you out. Um, Number one, never call names when you're in a fight. Number two, never raise your voice. Number three, never get historical. Not hysterical, historical. Oh, let me tell you. And you bring up the past. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, Next, never say the words never or always. They're great generalizations. And it's not always true or never true. Um, Never threaten divorce. Just just a word we don't even bring up. We don't even play with it. We can go there. And this last one, never quote your pastor during a fight. (laughs) Leave me out of it, all right? (laughs) Leave me out of it. All right, last, last point, last point, fight fairly. Number three, handle your anger righteously, right? So everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Ephesians chapter four, verses 26 to 27 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. You need to learn to deal with your anger. Ignoring it, hiding it, acting like it'll just go away with time, It's not how it works. You need to learn how to properly handle your anger. And there's a way to do it righteously that doesn't lead to sin. Sometimes you need to not call a timeout for your spouse. Sometimes you need to call a timeout for yourself. And if you need to call a timeout for yourself, here's what you have to do. The timeout doesn't last forever. You need to put a time limit on your timeout. Say me and my wife are in the middle of a a heated battle. We've got an argument going on, and I know that I'm getting ready to name call. I'm getting ready to raise my voice. I'm getting ready to say some stuff I shouldn't say. The smart thing for me to do is say, "Hey, I need to have a timeout for me. Let's 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 have this conversation again, and um, let's pick this up back up in an hour. Can we do that? And then I need to go, and I need to calm myself down, and get my emotions out of it." I need to start thinking rationally. Maybe I need to uh, text someone and say, hey, would you pray for me? Uh, I'm dealing with some attitude things right now. I I need God's wisdom. I need God's help. I need to calm down, and then I need to come back into the relationship, and we need to resolve things, okay? We don't just ignore it forever, but a timeout for my own sake is positive so that I don't do more damage in the moment because I'm not self-controlled. Deal with your anger righteously, So, today is Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to go see some guys with some pride on a field. They're going to raise their voice. They're going to name call. They're going to do all the things I told you not to do. But for you and I, we want to honor God with our lives. God is the giver of life. He desires for us to have life that never ends but in order to s- embrace eternal life, we have to embrace relationship with him, which means we have to humble ourselves, recognize we're a sinner, he's God, and enter into that relationship. If you've never entered into that relationship, it's the best thing that you could ever do. And, um, and you can start that relationship today. If you're here and you recognize that there's pride in your life and that's something that um, is hindering your relationships hey, good news, you can humble yourself today. It doesn't have to be a six-week course. No, no, I can humble myself today. So if you good, let's power our heads. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you that you're good to us even when we uh, raise our fists towards you, even when we ignore you, even when we're more in love with ourselves than we are with you. But God, if you're convicting us of that pride, God, I pray that you would forgive us And Lord, if there's anyone here that wants that to be their prayer, would they just simply say that? God, forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for thinking about my needs above others. God, forgive me. And Lord, I believe that your forgiveness is available because of what your son Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, that there is a forgiveness available to us that you can wash us clean, that you can cast our sin and our pride as far as the east is from the west. And God, that you can make us new, you can embrace us, you can bring us into your family. And God, we want that. We want to be seen as pure and right. But God, we also recognize that 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 pride, man, it runs deep. And so Lord, we do need your Holy Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit every day. To guide us, to convict us, to help form us into the image of your son. Lord, I pray that you would use whatever tool, whether it be tithing, whether it be marriage, whether it be getting involved in a small group, whether it be plugging to church. Lord, let that be formation tools in your hands to shape us and mold us into the people that you want us to be. And so, Lord, as we get ready to dismiss from this space and as we get to go and have fellowship and talk to one another, God, I pray that there would just be a good fellowship there, that we wouldn't be so concerned about how people are perceiving us, but that we would truly show an interest and a care in others. And Lord, I pray that there would just be such a a positive uh, experience that we have in the next hour as we hang out together. Lord, may it just fill our hearts. And Lord, may we recognize how great you are. And Lord, may we desire relationships to be the way that you've intended. We love you. We thank you. We ask for your forgiveness, and God, would you lead us into Your path? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.